Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. More than 70, more than 70 Canadian gymnasts recently signed on to a letter that was addressed to Sport Canada calling for an investigation into what they call ongoing toxic and abusive practices that Canadian gymnasts are subjected to. They say problems have existed for a very long time, but they have remained quiet until now out of fear of retribution, which is a big part of this discussion. Um, In response, Canada's Minister of Sports says the government is committed to making sure there is no abuse, no harassment, no discrimination, no maltreatment in sport. They say they've already taken steps to try and deal with this, including tighter controls and standards for federal funding. But the minister does acknowledge in that this letter shows that there's still more work that needs to be done. Um, Dr. Laura Meisner is a professor and director at the School of Kinesiology at Western University, and um, she joins us now. Dr. Meisner, thanks so much for your time today. I appreciate you joining us. Oh, thanks for having me on. So, I mean, you are a professor and and you do some research around this as well, but let's not overlook the fact because it's so important that you are also a competitive gymnast, coach, judge. Uh, you, you've been involved in this sport for a very, very long time. So um, all the years that you've spent, um, what was your experience like? Did you run into some of the um, misconduct that was raised in this letter? Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I was involved as an athlete and, you know, I, I count myself very fortunate uh, at that time because I had wonderful coaches and I worked in a really supportive environment and a, a supportive gym. Um, but even then, I, I knew that there were athletes who were afraid, afraid to talk about what they were going through um, and they were concerned about things. But I was pretty young at the time, as many of these athletes are. And And then when I got involved, as a coach um, and particularly as a judge, and I was a national level judge, you see a lot more in that landscape and you see a lot of things happen in front of you that um, maybe just don't look quite right. Um, you know, athletes who are clearly afraid, afraid of their coaches, um, coaches yelling at athletes uh, in front of us, um, you know, and, and seeing athletes who are in pain really being forced to continue to compete. So, there were a lot of things going on that, that I saw that I really just didn't like. And I, and I tried, I, I, I tried to make change, but ultimately I, I left the sport um, over eight years ago now. Um, I'm wondering, you know, in your time in the sport, did it seem to get better? Did it seem to get worse? Cause we know there has been work around this. There's been a lot of talk around this. Have you seen any improvement? I think there's been improvement in terms of that there were mechanisms in place to, you know, make complaints, to to see things change. Um, I'm not sure at the time that those mechanisms were were really working. I think there's been a lot of work done since then. All sport organizations do uh, are required to have safe sport policies, accountability mechanisms associated with it. 
But I think there, you know, the big issue is that it's it's a culture of silencing. So even though there might be policies and mechanisms in place for people to speak out and to make change, and the culture really precludes it. You know, you really look down upon, and that was a big issue for me. I, I recall being a judge and and sort of critiquing these issues and talking to coaches and talking to the federations about the issues and really being told that I, you know, I didn't know what I was seeing. I didn't know what I was talking about. You know, people were just upset that day. Things were okay. Um, so, you know, even though the mechanisms are in place, it's about a shift in the overall culture that where we listen to people who have concerns, that we do actually address those over a longer term and don't look at things as incidences in isolation, because the chances are that they are, are bigger issues that need to be addressed. Doctor, um, we're, we're, all, all those things that you said, I think, apply to all sport. You know, I was involved with minor hockey for a number of years, and there's all kinds of education around a lot of the things that you're talking about. And we know there's been all kinds of issues with hockey. But when we're talking about gymnastics, it seems like there's a focus. And and no small part goes to Larry Nasser, of course, the Team USA gymnastics Mm -hmm. doctor. Mm -hmm. I'm really Mm -hmm. uh, put a spotlight on this. But with this many gymnasts in Canada signing on to this letter, is there something about gymnastics you think that sort of makes it, I don't know, uh, um, a, a, a more risky environment for the athletes? Right. I mean, certainly the individual nature of the sport can be problematic because it is, you know, uh, single athletes that are working with a coach. Um, we see oftentimes, I mean, that there, you know, there's been policies put in place to try and raise the age limits and age, the minimum age limits for gymnasts be participating in international competition. But for the most part, we're talking about really young athletes, young girls in the sport. And many of the coaches um, have been um, adult men or all adults in general. And so there is a significant power relationship that's a bit different than we see necessarily in some of the team sports where there are groups of kids working together. So that can become uh, a real significant issue in terms of those power relationships. And, you know, some of my research early on when I did this, the things that that coaches talked about, um, I always wondered why, why do we have these adults uh, working with young girls or former adult uh, male athletes, and they were gymnasts themselves. Why are you now working with um, girls instead of um, boys, boy, and uh, male athletes? And the things that I would hear, like, well, it's oh, it's so much easier to work with the girls. They listen to you. They do the things you want them to do. So they are working with them because they are compliant and that they will do the things they want to do, which then creates a culture where we have real problems about safety. And so those are the kinds of things for a sport like gymnastics, and there are other um, vulnerable sports. And I think of things like figure skating and tennis, yeah. where we've seen those issues come into play. So it is a bit of a different beast, this one. Um, do you think we're making progress and is this something you're optimistic we're doing the right things around or do we need to do more? Well, I think we're we're trying uh, to do some good things. I think we are moving towards a more athlete-centered approach where athletes' voices are informing the system and the way the system works. Um, and so I, I'm optimistic about those approaches. I think the bigger issue, though, is that, you know, our focus, and you talk about hockey as a prime example of that, is all about excellence and that we, we fund organizations based on excellence. We want them to win medals. And that's what it's about. So as long as we're pushing that agenda consistently, mm-hmm. it makes it really hard to change the culture of this system that pushes athletes too far, too fast, and gets them into really vulnerable situations. 
Yeah, so removing some of the focus off winning and turning it into producing, you know, well-rounded right. and, and healthy kids. Right, and as you pointed out, that's a big culture shift because sure. it's not just coaches and administrators, it's parents as well. Yeah. It's the whole system and the whole culture that really does need to shift and change. I think you're absolutely right. Doctor, thank you so much for your time this morning. I appreciate you joining us. Uh, you're very welcome. Happy to be here. That's Dr. Laura Meisner, who is a professor and director and former competitive gymnast uh, at the college level in our country, uh, now uh, at the School of Kinesiology in Western University. And yeah, it'll be interesting to see where this goes. And as I said, this isn't the first time gym- gymnastics has been in the spotlight. Um, and um, I, maybe it is the individuality to the sport. I mean, like I say, my experience is based entirely on minor hockey and all the work following Graham James that was done for people who coach are involved in minor hockey, the the guardrails that are put in, like, you know, uh, the too deep rule, like you were not allowed to be in a dressing room alone with a kid, period. End of story. Done. There needs to be two people in there at all times, minimum, right? Um, just those kinds of things. But, you know, when you're working on a one-on-one situation and it's a single athlete, does that change that? Is that possible? I don't know, but um, those are the kind of things that need to be looked at.